Well, you know, um, as we approach 2024, almost everybody is thinking about, you know, what is the word for 2024 for, for me, for my journey, for my life, and what special thing is God wanting to adjust or, or uh, give me a special focus for. And we have a teaching series that's going on right now. I started it, and Mary Vaughn taught, and David taught, and Jeremiah is teaching um, last night and this morning. And we'll be continuing a series for a few more uh, Sundays. But it's, it's designed to help us to uh, focus on the spiritual goals and, uh, and, and special emphasis that God uh, may want to highlight for each of us in our journey starting uh, afresh in 2024. It's called uh, Jesus Life uh, Refresh 2024. And Jeremiah Pickerel is going to be sharing uh, this morning very gifted communicator of the Word of God. Looking forward to what you have to say, Jeremiah. Give him a warm welcome as he comes and talks to us. Good morning. Everybody have their candy cane? Some people may have already eaten it. If, if you did, I'm sure there's still one on a seat next to you. We're going to start out with uh, some, I call them dad-style jokes for Christmas. Um, so here's a couple. And David, you can't answer these because you already heard them. <laughs> um, how did Joseph and Mary weigh baby Jesus at birth? They had a way in the manger. <laughs> what did one Christmas tree say to another? Say, lighten up. Why are Christmas trees so bad at knitting? Because they keep dropping their needles. <laughs> a couple more here. What is a Christmas tree's favorite candy? Ornaments. What did a gingerbread man put on his bed? A cookie sheet. And our last one here. What happened to the man who stole the advent calendar? He got 25 days. I know, I know. <laughs> the moans and, oh my goodness. Well, the, this morning, uh, my message title is Recalibration. Uh, part of our series, as Dan, Pastor Dan mentioned, Jesus Life Refresh. And... Uh, we're going to be reading out of Matthew chapter 1 this morning. But before I start reading, I wanted to take a moment to share a couple things that brought this message about this morning. Uh, the first I wanted to share is um, at Christmas time, I, I enjoy some of the family traditions that happen. And, and I just love this season in general, uh, this Christmas time, just because everything that's going on and the fun uh, festivities, and sometimes it can seem a little stressful, but I, I just really enjoy them. And one of the traditions as a family that, we, that I really enjoy is one that our um, uh, siblings do each year, is we write a family letter to each other, updating each other about the major things that have happened this year and, and um, what's currently happening in our lives, and also uh, what the things we are thankful and blessed about, you know, so it's, it's, it's like a recalibration in the family of what's going on, what's happening, and what are we we're feeling blessed about. The other thing uh, that brought this about was 
on our Wednesday night group, we were talking, uh, we were doing a teaching about the wise men. And, um, and it was talking about the time that this was a time when people came because they wanted to worship Jesus. They wanted to be in his presence. And, you know, these wise men, these magi, you know, they came from a culture that was traditionally magicians and astrologers and astronomers, you know. And so they're coming to something new to them, something that was realigning their own hearts. And that was through their own history. They saw countless times in their history books how the God of Israel saved the Israelites, you know, even during their times of occupation of the Israelites, um, like with Balaam, who prophesied in Numbers 24-17 about the star that will appear. And with Esther and Mordecai, and with Daniel and the Babylonian captivity, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all happening during the Persian control time. And so they're seeing this in their history about this this God that always comes to save his people. And they know that they see this sign and they know it's in their history books and they realign because they want to go meet this king. They want to go see who he is. Last thing that brought me to this message, um, I mean, there's been many things, but the $50 gift story. $50 gift card. So uh, for our group, we played a game, and I meant to go get a gift for the game, but I forgot. And this $50 gift card has been sitting at our house forever, and it was supposed to be a graduation gift. We don't know who it was for. We meant to send it to someone, but <laughs> it's still sitting there at our house. And uh, so I, I didn't really want to use it. It's $50, you know, for a game, you know. We're just playing a simple game. Actually, it was a game with candy canes. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, anyway, so I didn't really want to do that, but we just, well, this is what we have. I'll have to give it up. And I like, I don't like to uh, give things that I feel that the value is too much for it. Um, also, too, I like to have a certain level of savings for financial security, too. So to me, it just seemed like, this is a bit over the top. But anyways, we gave it away. Well, four days later, uh, an individual gives me a card, and it has a $50 Visa card in it again. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me, who is your provider? Jehovah Jireh is your provider. There was a recalibration in my since in this area with Christ, of where my source needed to be. You know, a wonderful fact about Christmas is that the whole world marks time according to the first Christmas. Even in our history books at around the world, they talk about B.C., before Christ, and A.D. And A.D. doesn't mean after death. Uh, It stands for Anno Domini, which is Latin for in the year of our Lord. It's a way of counting years based on Christ's birth, after Christ's birth. 
So the world marks its time as B.C. and A.D., before Christ and after Christ's birth. And currently, uh, we are in the 2023rd year of our Lord, getting ready to go into our 2024th year of our Lord. And there's just something special about Christmas, isn't it? Is it because we get good deals on good (laughs) gifts for ourselves? You notice what I said there, for ourselves? Is it time, is it a good time for family gatherings? Yes. Is it the food that's good that makes Christmas so special? Is it because there's a whole lot more giving at this time of year? Is that what makes Christmas so special? Well, let's read about it. Matthew chapter 1, starting with verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as followed. After his mother Mary was betrothed to be married to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband... Being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. And in Hebrew here, it means Yeshua. For he will save his people from their sins. God is salvation. Verse 22. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And the prophet they're referring to here is Isaiah. Saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. So in this section, it gives a prophecy from Isaiah. And in Isaiah, we find some of the most, and actually it contains the most, messianic scriptures. And that type of scripture is a scripture that foretells what the Messiah This prophecy was at a time when Syria, not Assyria, was besieging Judah, which means they were getting ready for battle against Israel. So Isaiah gave King Ahaz a word. And Ahaz is the king of Judah. And, you know, he wasn't a godly king, and he never was a godly king. But Isaiah gives him this word. This word says, this enemy gathering for an attack is going to come to nothing. It's going to come to nothing. And you know what? Ahaz doesn't believe it. In fact, at this moment, he's working a backdoor deal with Assyria. Remember the two different nations, Syria and Assyria. Syria is the one getting ready for battle against Judah, and Assyria is the one Ahaz is working this deal out to sell the people of Israel into slavery for his own freedom. So Isaiah has given him a word from God, 
And then Isaiah adds this part in chapter 7, verses 10 through 13. Moreover, which means in addition, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depths or in the heights above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Boy, he sounds really spiritual there, doesn't he? Then he said, Hear now, O house of David, it is a small thing for you is it is a small thing for you to weary men, but will you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And this is the scripture that we found in Matthew chapter 1 that it was referring to. So he says here to Ahaz, don't be worried about this. God's going to take care of you. Then Ahaz, his his response, which sounded real spiritual, says, I'm not going to ask for a sign because I'm not going to test God. And in Old King James it says, tempt. You know, King Ahaz didn't say that because he didn't want to test God. He said that because he didn't want to, what? Trust God. He didn't want to realign what he was doing to what God was telling him. When you are given a word from God, you are responsible to trust him for that word. So he didn't even want to receive the word. He didn't want to recalibrate his thinking towards God. So then Isaiah prophesies about something that's not even going to happen for another 740 years. So there's 740 years B.C. before Christ. God's going to give you a sign. A virgin is going to conceive and have a child and he will be called Emmanuel, God with us. Let's think about this. How was this a sign to King Ahaz and to the people of Judah and to the house of David? It wasn't even going to be happening for another 740 years. So how was it a sign to them? Well, you know what? It's actually a sign to every generation of believers because here's what he's saying here. The Messiah is coming. And the Messiah comes through the tribe of Judah, through the house of David. But the Messiah hasn't come yet. So what is God saying to Ahaz? If you trust in me, so think of even a pre-believer. If you trust in me, there's no way the enemy can succeed against you because God has a purpose for you. And he's not finished with you yet. This is the same sign that you and I have today. God, through his son, Jesus, has a purpose for our lives. And Satan cannot succeed against us. There's only, these are the only times that the enemy can take us out. It's when we allow our own spiritual compass, Jesus as the true north, to be affected by, by the world, the flesh, 
and the enemy's lies. That's the only time. And in those weaknesses, as we're being affected by that, we can be drawn off course from our purpose in Christ. And in that weakness, the enemy can either take out our purpose in Christ or even can take you out. So it's important to keep our calibration to Jesus, the true north. And this is a short video of what can happen when something affects a, a compass. See how it changes direction. Even though its purpose is to point north, it can be affected. And it could be something small. Because the Bible says the what? The small fox is what? Spoil the vine. So even a small thing that you let into your life, it may seem like you're only slightly off course, but by the time you get out there, you're way off course. It's important to remember to keep Jesus as your true north. When I'm weak and when I'm tempted and when I'm under attack, I could do something stupid in that moment that could take me out, take me out of the purpose that God has for my life. The good news, though, is if I keep my eyes on Jesus and the purpose that he has for my life, the enemy cannot take me out. And that's what he's telling Ahaz and Judah and the house of David. The enemy can't take you out. Keep your eyes on me. Seek me. This is what's so special about the Christmas story. Point number one, God, underlying God here, chose to be human. God chose to be human. God became human. This is why Christmas changes everything. This is why the whole world counted down to Christ and now has counted up since Christ. Because it changes everything. And the underlying word God there, I underline this because the other areas of that compass, they like to continually challenge and attack the deity of Christ, the true north of our spiritual compass. Well, maybe Jesus was just a good man. Maybe he was just a prophet. Maybe he's just like one of the other religious leaders of the world. Constantly attacking that deity of who God is. No, he will always be the one true God. The true north that we need in our life. It's the same question they had even when Jesus was on the earth. And I think the reason why Jesus brought it up simply for this purpose to ask us, every generation, to ask this question. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 16, it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am, the Son of Man am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah. That's not me, by the way. Or one of the prophets. He said to them, but 
Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And notice here in verse 13 it says, Son of man. Verse 16 it says, Son of God. He is fully man, but also fully God. And it has to be that way. So God is asking this question. Jesus is asking this question. Who do you say that I am? And your answer determines your eternal destiny. It's an important question to answer. I asked a couple people to record to me their answer to this question I told them it could be something that they're dealing with in this season of their life, like I talked about with uh, the $50 gift card, how he's Jehovah Jireh. He's helping me realign in some areas with that. Or they could just simply answer the question directly. And here's that video. Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? To me, Jesus is the wonderful counselor. To me, my relationship with Jesus, and what I think of him is he is the eternal king. He is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. To me, Jesus is the, he's the restorer, he's the reformer, he's the redeemer, he's the king of kings, he's the lord of lords, and there will be never be another, no other, and he is the son of the most high God. Amen. Who do I think Jesus is? For me... Jesus is my friend, he's my lover, he's my confidant. No matter what I go through, he's always there. He's the one I talk to all day long and I commune with. He is the peace in every storm I face. He is the one I look to for everything. He is the substance that's always real, even when everything else feels surreal and not um, in focus or in tune. Jesus is, is my everything. He's the true substance and the true life. And I couldn't imagine life without him and going back to the way things were when I didn't even have him in focus correctly. That's who Jesus is to me.
So no matter what, no matter what aspect of your life, there's so many things that Jesus is. No matter what you're going through, he, but he wants you to align to what he is in that moment. Whatever's happening, to align your compass to him. He wanted King Ahaz in that moment to align himself for what he had for them, but he rejected it. Now we all know he is God because he is conceived by the Holy Spirit. It was even said that it was an immaculate conception. What does immaculate mean? Clean, pure, without spot. So he was conceived purely. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. In Matthew 1.18 it says, Mary was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, that which was conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And this is important because the egg was from a woman, but here the seed was not from man. The seed was from the Holy Spirit. And this is extremely important because in the Old Testament it says, the iniquities of the father go down to the third and fourth generation. Then also there's the curse of sin. Here's the point. Iniquity is passed down through the seed. Jesus, though, was born of a woman conceived by the Holy Spirit, not of men, so he could be fully human and fully God. The deity and the humanity of Christ God chose to become human. God became a man. He was born of an incorruptible seed. And when you accept Christ as your Savior, you are born again in Christ, no longer bound by that corruptible seed. You are now from an incorruptible seed. The enemy wants you to believe that you're still part of that old seed. But when you accept Christ, you are born again into that incorruptible seed. That's why the enemy can't take you out. Christ has paid the price. In 1 Peter 1.23 it says, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides in us forever. Emmanuel. God with us. God becoming human. This is such an amazing fact. Let me put it another way. God didn't just send a messenger. God brought the message himself. God didn't just send David in the sound booth to rescue you or redeem you. He came himself. You were born of a corruptible seed. And God didn't just come and dismiss the charges. He just didn't come and dismiss the charges. He paid the debt himself. The debt of sin needed to be paid. Because the wages of sin is death. And it takes an incorruptible seed to pay that debt. So he came himself. Which brings us to point number two. The other reason the Christmas story is so special and meaningful, God chose to become human. So the first special meaning was that God chose to be human. The second 
is God chose to be human. He was born, his life was dependent on people taking care of him. The creator became the creation. He grew up, he went to school, he had friends. He was fully human. But why did he become human? This is the humanity of Christ. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This Word here is referring to Jesus. In verse 14, it makes it even more clear. John 1.14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us as we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten One of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's Jesus. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 1 John 4, 2-3, But this you know, the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and and now is already in the world. 2 John 1, 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the Antichrist. Why is it important to believe that Jesus actually came as human? Because if he didn't become a human, then he didn't really die for my sins. He had to become human to pay for my sins. The world, the flesh, the lies of the enemy attack these factors that he wasn't fully man and that he wasn't really God. People say, well, he, he was just a prophet, a good man. He wasn't really God. But if he wasn't a human, then it's just an illusion that he actually died. Because if he was God, then he didn't die. If he was just human, then he was just a man. He can't pay for the penalty of sin. So he has to be fully man and fully God. This is why Jesus asked the question, who do you say I am? Jesus Christ was really scourged for me and you. He was nailed to a cross. He really did die and he really did rise from the grave. He overcame death. He had to become human to redeem us. Hebrews 2.14 says, Because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had had the power of death. So this is what's so special about Christmas. God chose to become human, and he became human so he could die and break the power of death, which death now has no power over us, the believers, because we are now born of an incorruptible seed. What's so great about him being human, he knows how you feel. And in Hebrews, it goes on to say, we don't have a high priest that can't sympathize with our weaknesses because 
He has in every point, what? Been tempted just as we are. So he knows what it's like to be human. So when you go to him, you can say to him, you know what it's like. You know what I need here. Because he really does. There's a famous messianic scripture in Isaiah 9-6 that we use every day during the Christmas season, it seems. And it actually contains these two points. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Did you see it there? Unto us a child is born. A human is born. Unto us a son, the Son of God is given. The most special thing about Christmas is that God came himself to redeem us to him. I know in all these messages that we've had shared so far in this series, Jesus' life refreshed. From Pastor Dan's message, savoring our great salvation. Pastor Jeff even, I think, fits in this uh, from Roar Church with a refresher on the fivefold ministry. Mary Vaughn with the questions Jesus is asking us through the gospel. And recently, David's message about our spiritual heart and where we need to be. These are all recalibrations to the true north of who Christ needs to be in our life. Because if it's not, then it can cause our compass to lead us off track and take us out as what happened with King Ahaz. Take us out of the purpose for Christ. You all received a candy cane. The candy cane has a meaning. It's a symbol. Symbols are great. They can help us remember, but they have no power. The only power is in Christ Jesus, our true north. The candy cane... I don't know which direction for you guys, is a J. Stands for Jesus. can also be a staff. He's our good shepherd. The colored white is because Jesus is pure, incorruptible. The color red is blood that was shed for us so that we can be born again of an incorruptible seed. The peppermint as a flavor is from the hyssop plant that was used for purifying in biblical times. It's a symbol of what Christ has done for us. He was fully God and fully man. And he came for you this Christmas season so that you can be born again of an incorruptible seed. Let us pray. And I'm going to pray a scripture over you. This word was released to me over me in the prayer room. And so I'm going to pray this over you. It's from 
Philippians 1, starting with verse 3. Just receive this. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you is faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think of this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains, and this is Paul talking, and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me with grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in the knowledge and all discernment that may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and God, I pray. Heavenly Father, through your Son, recalibrate in our lives how you are fully God and fully man for each of us in every area. In your name, amen. Thank you, Jeremiah. That's a good word. Let's stand. Wow, I love that word. Jesus Christ came to us on the first Christmas. He's going to be coming back for us. He's coming to us then. And he comes to us in the Holy Spirit. He's always moving towards us. Isn't that great to recalibrate us? We don't have to go out and try and find him. He's coming to us. Thanks, Jeremiah, for that. Let's respond to him in these days of Christmas, okay? Let's be alert to his, his word to us, his desire to change and modify us from glory to glory to glory. So all of our staff at New Song here want to say God bless you in these, on this Christmas Eve and, and Christmas Day and, in the, and the week before the new year. May God answer all your prayers for yourself and your family. Keep you all safe and in good health. And may the revelation of Jesus and his incarnation and his wonderful saving event and lordship events in our life be ever increasing in all of us in the days ahead. Thanks for being with us today. God loves you. We love you. Have a great day. Thank you. Come tonight if you can. Come tonight if you can. Candlelight service, 6 o'clock. An awesome time.